listening to the Prevailing Word Podcast channel. I'm Fred Bachester. Thanks for listening. Let's get right into today's message. 2 Timothy, the third chapter, beginning at verse 14. We're studying the inspired scriptures, and this is where Paul reminds uh, Timothy of these things. Verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and both assured of knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then Paul says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, which is teaching or instruction, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. In other words, God breathed on the scriptures. It is his breath in his scriptures. And so we thank God that the word of God is definitely inspired by God. And people have a problem with the inspiration of God in the scriptures and call it just a mere book. And it's more than that. It is the very words from God himself. And so when we study the word of God and when we begin to see the word of God, we see that this inspiration that comes on God gives us four things. And it is profitable for doctrine or teaching or instruction. It is also there for reproof or conviction. But the scriptures is also there for correction. Uh, to, it's just like the definition, a straightening up again. Now, to straighten up again meant that you were straight at one time, became crooked, and then correction comes to straighten you up again. And that's what the word does because uh, every, every so often when we try to uh, read the scriptures and we try to add to the scriptures and we try to make the scriptures say something that it was never intended, you're crooked. You were straight at one time and then all of a sudden you got off track, come up with all sorts of wild cockamamie things that doesn't really line up with scripture. Um, And so that's why the, the scriptures come and correct. It straightens you up again for those who are willing to receive the correction that comes from the Word of God as given by the Spirit of God. It is also for instruction in righteousness. Instruction in righteousness. It's very important that we understand these things because when we fail to um, understand these four things is very easy for us 
to um, simply get off track and make the word say something that that it was never intended. And that's why uh, we thank God that the, the word of God, when it is given, it's given and, and you and I are not authorized to change it. We can't alter it. We can't abuse it. And that's how false prophets and false teachers arise among us, simply because we, we change uh, the scriptures. So, uh, again, these uh, definitions come uh, as far as instruction, reproof, or evidence, or conviction. Also, it is for correction, straightening up again, and instruction in righteous, righteousness, which is to, to tutor us as a dis disciplinary correction, chastening us, giving us instruction. It's very important that we, we, we understand the purpose, the fourfold purpose of the scriptures and stay within the bounds of the scriptures because when you get off base and then you begin to, to change or alter um, the message, the, the Bible, the, the scriptures, then it's very easy to get into areas where you're telling stories all the time and the stories really doesn't line up uh, with, uh, with scriptures. So the, the scriptures are there for a reason and we need to stay within the boundaries of these, of these scriptures. Otherwise, we, we, will, um, we will change its definition, change its meaning, and next thing you know, you're, you're in a world of hurt. So, um, so that's the fourfold purpose of the scriptures. Now, uh, go back to John chapter 5 and verse 39. And Jesus said this, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me, and you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. And so when we search the scriptures, it, it points us all back to the very text of the Bible. And when we study the text of the Bible, it brings gravity back to us so that we, we are not loose cannons with scripture and try to uh, make the Bible say something that it was never intended to say. It's just like what it says in the book of Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 6, where the word tells us uh, that uh, do not add to his words, lest you be found a liar. And so we don't add to his words, we stay with what he said. There will, and, and scripture that I quoted from, from uh, Hebrews chapter four and verse 13, uh, where it says that we will give an account. Uh, there is nothing, there is no creature hidden from his sight but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we must give an account. It's going to be a very, very bad day for those who have taken his word and made it say something that it was never intended to be said. It's going to be a very bad day. Remember what it says in the book of James that, that we are, that teachers of the word are under a stricter judgment. And, and sadly, some, some, some believers do not believe that. Um, 
that they would be under a stricter judgment. They honestly believe that um, that many people will, will get away with what they've said and the Lord didn't say that. In fact, go to the book of James chapter 3 and verse, verse 1. In James chapter 3 and verse 1, we will find that uh, James gives a, a, a very serious admonition to, to each one that want to be a teacher of the word. And so the scriptures is very clear. And, and James tells us, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. In other words, those of us, myself included, that we be, when we begin to teach uh, the scriptures, that we will be judged stricter than others who perhaps may not have training or haven't studied the word of God thoroughly to stay within the context of scripture. And and so let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. And so, and so Jesus uh, always told the disciples, study the scriptures, search the scriptures. And, and that's, I, I can't stress how, how important that is for us to, to search the scriptures. In fact, uh, here's why we. Here's a good reason why we should uh, study the scriptures. Because when when we study the scriptures and when we stay within the scriptures, then we know that this will not happen. Here in uh, go to. Um, let's see. Let me find it real quick. Because this is this is so important that I, that I get this across. And uh, go to Second uh, Timothy. It's very important that that we understand this. Second Timothy, Chapter Four. And look at verse 1. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. It, it, is, it is clear that we are to do nothing else but preach the word. Because when we preach the word, we remain on safe ground. When we don't preach the word, then we know that we are not on safe ground. We are definitely entering into places where we start telling stories that are completely baseless and have nothing to do with the scriptures. It's all about exalting yourself as opposed to exalting God in the scriptures. And that's why there is such a, a, a struggle with people 
that don't want to stay with the scriptures, it's because they're lifting themselves up. Like, for instance, this uh, false prophet named David Taylor. If you haven't heard of him, he is clearly a uh, false prophet, false teacher. And uh, he is someone that need, that people need to stay away from. But unfortunately, people will gravitate to that because they want to hear stories all the time. Jesse Duplantis is another one. He's, a, he's another individual that you need to be firmly aware of that they all tell stories that are baseless without scripture. And that's why when you open the scriptures, and, and I find, and I, I said it earlier this morning, I said it again too, people can still have the scriptures in their hand and still get it wrong. Uh, people can still have the scriptures in their hands and read the, read the verse, but because they're, they're, they're so wrapped up in their ideology and their narrative that they got to stick with this no matter what, but the scripture says this, and so I'd rather stick with the scriptures as opposed to sticking with an individual that is going to tell me a story and put me on a wild goose chase apart from the word of God. So Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. You see, a whole lot of folk don't like the word in season and out of season. And the reason why is because it ruins their show. And, and that's what happens with pulpits across America. The place where the word of God is to be preached has been turned into a show where people are trying to hype the people and not give them the solid meat of the word of God. And so Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, be, be ready in season and out of season, convince in other words, convince by the word, rebuke Exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. In other words, take your time, because sometimes people will not get it the first time. Now, with individuals that are already bent on giving false doctrine, they, they won't receive. And you can't really uh, change their hearts unless they repent and, and come out of, of that false doctrine. And so, so go up a little bit, if you will, in First uh, Timothy, back to First, Second uh, Timothy. I'm sorry, Second Timothy, uh, chapter three, and uh, verse ten. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. You see, Paul was all about teaching from the scriptures and teaching doctrine. We see that, that this is evident in the various letters that he gave to the various churches in Asia Minor. But he's telling Timothy, you, you followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith. Now, when you see the word faith, it is not talking about believing God for anything. It's talking about faith in Christ. Long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now see, this ties in with 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when Paul was given a thorn in the flesh as permitted by the Lord. And uh, this false teacher, Kenneth Copeland, have, have said that Paul should have rebuked that spirit. But wait a minute, the Lord sent it. So if the Lord sent it, how can you rebuke something that the Lord sent? Also, Paul sought 
to be relieved of that spirit three times. But the Lord said, my strength, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul went on to continue, much gladly, therefore, rather, I endure afflictions. So he couldn't use faith or authority to throw aside what God sent. Why? It was sent so that way he wouldn't be lifted up in pride of receiving revelation from the scriptures. It was a safeguard to ensure that Paul would never go beyond in pride. And that's what tends to happen with scripture. That, that, that we, we read something, we get a revelation, then we go with it without really going back into the scriptures and studying it out. What we also don't do is that when we come across a particular portion of scripture, that we don't put it to the test. When the Bible says clearly in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21, test all things, test them, put it to the test. Keep that which is good. So if we keep that which is good, we're throwing away that which is bad. So when you receive the scriptures, put it the, to, to the test. A person that is teaching the scriptures will not mind being tested will not mind being put under the scrutiny of the scriptures. And that's what we said uh, last week that we failed to get on tape. And, and that is, it is very important that we learn how to examine, that we learn how to investigate, that we have scrutiny, and that we are skeptical. Because once we have those things as a guardrail, or guardrails if you will, then when somebody comes in with false doctrine, then we're able to pick it apart with the scriptures. Now look at verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned, which we read before. So in these last days, we will see individuals that will grow worse and worse. And they're called evil men. They're also called imposters. I mean, there are a lot of imposters. And imposters that want to pretend that they are something, but they're not. And you can always uh, uh, tell when they're not, when you begin to see what they're teaching. In fact, what an imposter is, is from uh, uh, the Greek definition means a wizard. An imposter is a wizard. And we all know what wizards are. They, all, they always deal with spells. They're wailers and howlers, seducers. They always try to mislead you from the scriptures. And that's why when we come back to the scriptures, we begin to put people to the test. We see that they are imposters, imposters. They're evil men. But in these last days, they're going to grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Deceiving and being deceived. But when you have knowledge of the scriptures, how can you be deceived? It's when you begin to look the other way. And that's, that's what I've done 
a few years ago. When, when I hear something and it doesn't line up with scriptures, what I used to do is just put it aside and don't investigate and don't hold their feet to the fire. And I let them, and I let them get away with it and, 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 not, and not really hold them to account, but not any longer. The, the, the challenge will be given. You, you, you will be challenged with, with what, what you're saying and challenged in the scriptures because the scriptures will flush out all the evil men and the imposters. Go now to um, 2 Corinthians. Uh, I'll just know in a, in a minute. Let me uh, find the reference. Not that one. Second Corinthians chapter two. Look at verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter two, verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God. You always have these peddlers. It's like a, a, a circus. They come simply to abuse the scriptures for the purpose of money. You see, a peddler, it, it also means to retail, but it also, by implication, means to adulterate, to corrupt. And that's what people do with Scripture. They corrupt the Scriptures for the intent of retail. They, they, they take advantage of you and use the Scriptures for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is for retail. And that's why we come back to this inspired scriptures, the scriptures that are inspired by the Spirit of God. We come back to the barriers, the, 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 the confines of the scriptures, so that way we are not deceived. Why? Because evil men and imposters will come, deceiving and being deceived. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter two. Here in Second Peter chapter two, beginning at verse one. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies 
even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By their covetousness, they will exploit you. You know what it, what it is to exploit. It means to take advantage. And that's what false prophets and false teachers will do. They will come and exploit you. They will take advantage of you. They're, they're all interested in one thing, your wallet or your pocketbook. And that's why you have to be very careful and you have to examine them within the confines of the scriptures. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. In other words, they will use language that you know will draw you and attract you. And that's why you can't believe every preacher. You have a copy of the scriptures yourself. You can easily debunk anything that anybody says by simply opening up the scriptures and finding out what the word says. By covetousness, they will exploit you with, with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. Let me say something more about false prophets and false teachers. Uh, perhaps someone may have asked a question. Will false prophets and false teachers, will, will they get into heaven? Nope. Nope. They will not. Unless they repent, of course, and they come to Christ by faith and renounce uh, deceptive words. And here's the, reason, here's the reason why. If you go down into verse 12. But these, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the, of the things they do not understand, and will utterly perish in their own corruption, and will receive the wages of unrighteousness, as those who counted pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes, these false preachers and false uh, teachers and false pastors and false bishops. They are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions. They're, they're carousing in their their own deceptions, these individuals. And that's why it's, it's so important to, to see what's happening with, with these individuals that are about false doctrine. So uh, they are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. In other words, they sit among you like, hey, we're, we know each other and you're friends with them and they're spewing out false doctrine and false teachings of the scripture. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. Enticing unstable souls. So they know exactly who to target. Individuals that are unstable, in other words, they don't have stability in the word. 
And that's what brings stability. In fact, it says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 33 and verse 6, that wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times. So, so, so unstable souls are what they're targeting. And so when they advertise miracles, signs and wonders, healing, and that's all they advertise, all of a sudden, like a dinner bell, they come running. Now, it's true that some of these people have needs, but I've seen a video of an individual that was a quadriplegic and before he was uh, um, forever uh, uh, given a wheelchair, he walked along the corridor to go up to, to a ben, Benny Hinn healing line. But there were people in the background at, the places, at certain places before it leads down to the stage or to the front. And so they would weed out the visible people with serious illnesses and let the ones with just outward, nothing wrong physically, but inner things like cancer and things of that nature, go up to the front. But wait a minute. If Jesus is there to heal everything, that means everybody can come. Why are you separating individuals that have an outward manifestation that need healing and you tell them they can't go. You see, something is always wrong with that. And that's why I always tell people, oh, you got healing power? All right, I know a place where you can go where you can put it to the test. You, you put people to the test. You, you got this right. Yeah, yeah, I got All right, well, let's go to the homeless shelter. Let's go to Kings County. Let's go to Downstate. Let's go to Long Island University. <laughs> Let, let's see, let's see. No, they won't go there because it destroys what, what they're they about. So people come and, they, and, and they're unstable. And sadly, people that do come to these places, they're looking to get healed and they walk back in the same condition. That's why you have to put people to the test because all they're interested in is your pocketbook or your wallet. So will they go to heaven? Only if they repent. <coughs> Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. For all who come to me will say to me, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? And I will tell them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So don't ever advertise that you got something, but you know that you have nothing. And then by chance, somebody comes, comes out and, and calls you out as an individual. I'll, I'll never forget this. He, uh, this individual uh, before he was relegated to a wheelchair, went to a Todd Bentley meeting where he was advertising about healings and angels and things of that nature. And he went up to the front and called him out as a false prophet right in front of all those people. Called him out for it. He had no healing power. All he was was a charlatan, someone that was a peddler. And that's, what you, and that's why the scriptures are there. He identified an individual that he knew was a peddler and didn't have any healing power and called him out on it 
because he knew the scriptures. And so look at look again in verse 14, middle portion. They have a heart trained in covetous practices. In other words, they learned their craft. They're trained in covetous practices. They know what will pull your strings. They know what will pull on your heart. And so individuals that know how to pull on your heart are there. They are trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. Now you can't be blessed if you're cursed. You can't be. Either you're blessed or you're cursed, you can't be both. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. He was in it for the money. If you go back to the story in the book of Numbers, uh, Numbers chapter uh, uh, 23 and 24, you see that he was given money to prophesy against Israel. But God told Balaam, don't you curse for, for what, for they're blessed. And, and so Balaam was only in it for the money. Because Balak was giving him sums of money to curse Israel because Balak heard that, that two nations were completely annihilated, destroyed. So the only way that he said in his mind to get rid of a problem that was coming to his doorstep was to get God to curse Israel. And so Balaam was told by the Lord that, you know, God can't curse what he's blessed. So what did Balaam come up with? Oh, I know, you're Moab, right? You got prostitutes? Send them. And prostitutes came, and, and from the leaders to the, to the nation of Israel, they all committed fornication and adultery. And Balaam told them, hey, you know, you, 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 I can't get God to curse them, but you can get Israel to, to sin. Because he knew that sin would stop God working on their behalf. And that's the same in circles today. Sin will stop God working on your behalf. When you're lusting with your eyes, when you're lying, when you're stealing, when you use the name of the Lord in vain, covetous, bearing false witness, when you sin against God, it stops God working on your behalf. Balaam taught this to them. We see this same principle again in the book of Revelation chapter 3. The same principle of if you can get people to sin against God, God will no longer work on, on their behalf. And it's a constant pattern that we see in today's era of time that we're living in. People are living in, in, in sin so much that, um, that God can't work on their behalf. And that's what happens when we don't stick with the scriptures. You see, sticking with the scriptures is not just about getting something out of God's hand. It is learning how to please him even if he puts nothing in your hand. Do we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? 
Do we love him that even if we get nothing from him, he is still first in everything? The Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 6, seek, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You see, when you seek him first, things will be added. And even if it takes a while because you're seeking him, you have perseverance. You know how to be patient. You don't push God. You see, we don't push here. You know, pray until something happens. You know why? Because if you're only praying until something happens, then sometimes something that was never intended will happen. We pray within the lines of the scriptures. First John chapter 5 verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything, watch, according to his will, he hear us. James tells us that reason why we don't get is because we're asking missing or ask a mess because we want to consume it on our own lusts. That's what the scripture says. And so, so the children of Israel committed fornication and adultery. God stopped working. And next thing you know, the children of Israel, their, their uh, quest to subdue all enemies ceased. All because Balaam taught them how to sin against God to stop the movement of God in their lives. Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of righteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity, a dumb, donkey, a dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the, mad, the madness of the prophet. Now look at the miracle, because if you study the story very carefully, you'll, study, you'll know that the donkey was a female. But here we see that there is insight from Peter that even though she was a female donkey, he, she spoke with a male voice. These, these false prophets, these are wells without water, clouds carried about by a tempest, whom, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So all the false prophets that came along with these false teachings in the scriptures, these individuals are reserved, for whom is reserved rather, the blackness of darkness forever. And that's why we always stay in the scriptures. Go to the book of Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter 4, look at uh, verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should be no longer that we should no longer rather be children 
tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. You see, when you're young in Christ, you, you really don't know or understand the scriptures, you're not mature. But as you gain knowledge and maturity in the scriptures, you'll begin to see that, that the Lord is putting something solid in you. you. You've moved from milk to meat. You've moved from milk to meat. And so, uh, any, anybody that's in meat right now, you really shouldn't be deceived. Uh, Acts 17, 11, remember that? These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily to see whether those things are so. They said, Paul, we, we hear what you're saying, but we're going to search. We're going to search every day to see what, if what you're saying is so. And that's what you have to do every single day when you're in Christ because there are many deceivers that are out there in the world. There are many individuals that will lure certain believers with signs, wonders, and miracles, and will never see a sign, wonder, and miracle. They'll, they'll, all they'll see is an individual coming up on a stage with all kinds of canes, crutches, and whatnot, and throw them on the stage, but really nothing went on. Nothing really happened. Because I tell you, re remember when in John chapter 5, the man at the pool of Bethesda? There were a, a lot of people that were around the pool. And this man had an infirmity for 38 years. And, and the scripture went on to say that there was an angel that came from heaven and stirred the waters. And any time that there was a stirring of the water, there would be individuals that would get down and be healed. That was something that God did on his own. And so there were a lot of people that were waiting to get into the pool. Look, if somebody had healing power, everybody in the world would be there. Everybody in the world would be there. But because it is nothing but trickster, peddlers, individuals who are charlatans and hucksters, you go in with the condition and you, and you return with the condition, even Oral Roberts. Or Roberts had individuals that were not doctors to make, make it seem as if people were getting healed and they would confirm their healing. And these individuals were not doctors. You see, and, and that's, that's why you have to guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life, it says in Proverbs 4 and 23. You have to guard your heart because if you don't, they're going to take advantage of you. So look, again, look at verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of plot, plot of deceitful plotting. In other words, just like what we read in 2 Peter, that they were trained in covetous practices. We also see that they are uh, uh, that by trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. What are they doing? They're plotting against you to pull money out of your pocket. They're all the time telling you that if you give, you'll be blessed. <laughs> right. And so when they get into their limo to go to the airport to, to fly first class, and you get back down, you get out of your seat, you put that money into that basket, and, 
after the service is over, he's on his in his limo getting ready to fly first class out of town, and you're taking the subway. Something wrong with that picture. And so that's why we do verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and, knitted to, and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So we speak the truth in love. Now what we have done in, in the past is that we have, we have defended these men. We've defended them instead of looking to the scriptures to see what God said about it and then put them to the test. Because we want so badly to believe these things that these false teachers are saying and we end up where we started with nothing in our hands and that's why when you go back to the scriptures it uncovers what they're doing so we have to constantly put them to the test go to the book of Revelation chapter 2 Revelation chapter 2 I shared these scriptures before but it's good to share them again because um, as, you, as we begin to see the end times unfold, we're beginning to see that there's a lot of deception that is happening and it has picked up steam. In other words, these individuals have not seen fit in the scriptures to call it quits. Uh, chapter two in the book of uh, Revelation, beginning at verse one, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, excuse me, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. Put them to the test. There's nothing wrong with testing them out. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, wait a minute. I'm going to test you by the scriptures. The scriptures said this, but you said that. And so then that's when you begin to, to make a decision whether you're going to believe what they said or to believe what the scriptures said. You believe what the scripture says no matter what because you want to be true and faithful to the scriptures. So they, they, they called themselves apostles. They said, yeah, you're an apostle. All right, let's put you to the test. And what did they find? They found them to be liars. Please turn to the book of Jude. Jude, it's only one chapter, beginning at verse 5. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Now, the, the ones that are the, those that did not believe are the ones that, after 10 came back with a bad report, 2 came back with a good report, caused the whole nation of Israel not to believe, and for 40 years they were destroyed in the wilderness. Verse 6. 
And the angel who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the great for the judgment of that of the great day, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in the in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, which he disputed about the body of Moses, dare not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do, of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They have gone in the way of Cain. What is the way of Cain? To hate and then to kill. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the era of Balaam. So we see error again with Balaam, just like we saw um, uh, in the scriptures pre uh, previously. And what is it for? For profit. That's what Second Peter chapter 3 was about with Balaam. So Jude and, and Peter are on the same page about the kind of false prophets that come as peddlers in the era of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots in your love feast. Can we see the pattern with Peter again? While they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves, they are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. You see the same pattern because, see, that's the great fear that is taking place in the earth right now. I mean, it's happening right now even as we speak. And I like what, what an, another person had said said people are looking for a great revival, not realizing that what's happening before our eyes is an apostasy going on. And that false teachers and false prophets will come in these latter days to preach a different gospel which isn't a gospel at all according to Galatians chapter 1 verses uh, 7 through 9. And people want these things but an apostasy is happening before their eyes. And it's happening in real fashion. So much so that people are not paying attention. People are, these people have crept in. And it seems like as if they're, they're really... They're really genuine. But as you begin to study what they're saying and as you begin to open up the scriptures... The inspiration of the scriptures given by the Spirit of God, you will see that these individuals are deceivers. And they, their only plan is to take advantage of you. You're still in, in the, uh, the book of Jude. Uh, go up to uh, verse 3. 
Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Now the faith, again, is speaking of faith in Christ alone. For certain men have crept in unnoticed. In other words, nobody really paid attention to these guys. Why? Because it appeared as if these individuals are safe. And so with the Asbury uh, thing that, that took place in, uh, in Kentucky, um, a lot of people have been saying, well, let's wait. Let's, let's watch. Let's, let's see the fruit of this thing. Whereas there are others that are saying, let's jump on this bandwagon. It's God moving. He's moving. Why are you against the move of God? God is moving. Wait, wait, wait a minute. There's nothing wrong with examining the fruit. There's nothing wrong with that. And the ones that are examining the, the fruit are, are the ones that are declared heretics, blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, saying, he see you're against God, you're against the move of God. I'm like saying, wait a minute. A whole lot of people are like saying, let's watch this, because we all know what happened with the vineyard thing and with the Toronto blessing and all that, we, we saw false prophets and false teachers rise up and deceive a whole lot of people. And so yes, there's a lot of skepticism and, the, and there's a lot of scrutiny and it should be because we don't want to be taken advantage of ever again. It's best to be of, of an individual of a slow heart than to jump on everything that comes and call it it's a move of God. Wait a minute, let's watch this. God knows how to, to deliver people even in the midst of chaos. But at the same time, we shouldn't be rubber stamping everything and call everything a move of God. We should be watching and applying the time-tested scriptures to what we see. There's nothing wrong with that. But sadly, people do think that that's wrong, that you ought to jump on everything that comes. No, don't jump on everything that comes. These individuals have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So everybody that comes to the door is not saved. Everybody that comes to the door is not an apostle. Everybody that comes to the door is not a bishop. Everybody that comes to the door is not a teacher. Everybody that comes to the door is not an evangelist. Everybody that comes to the door is not an apostle or a prophet. They, they, don't jump on everything that you see. Have, have us a heart that investigates that puts scrutiny and, and, and be skeptical and watch what drops as far as fruit is concerned. Nothing wrong with that. But sadly, unfortunately, we'll have people that will, will jump on the bandwagon and will get burned for it. And you don't have to. You can be slow of heart and God is good with that. You can be slow and, and methodical and study it out in the scriptures, and that's what the Lord wants us to do, because he, you see, when Jesus came on the scene, they'd never seen anything like this, where he preached the word of God, came with signs, wonders, and miracles that were legitimate, that not only proved that he was God, 
it also declared that he was God. And they were confused about it. Because how they, they, their, their minds was, how can a mere man have this? But they didn't realize that the scriptures told, him, told them that such a man would come. And so Jesus told them, you don't know the scriptures. Search the scriptures to see if you, you, in them you think you have eternal life in John chapter 5 and verse 39. But you would not come to me. And so if they would have, if they would have studied out the scriptures, they would have said, oh, wait a minute. He came out of Bethlehem. He's of Judah, son of David, signs, wonders, and miracles. How does he know the word of God so well? Oh, that's the Christ. That's the Messiah. And that's the whole purpose of signs and wonders and miracles in the New Testament, in particular in the Gospels. It was not only to prove his divinity, but to declare his divinity. The scriptures is never in error. People are always in error. And when people are in error, and the scriptures uh, point, pointed out to them, to you, that they are in error, then what you need to do is fall back on the scriptures. Fall back on the scriptures. You, you will do no wrong in falling back on, on the inerrancy and the infallible, infallible scriptures. You will, you, you will always stay in line with the scriptures. Go to uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, because this Paul is what Paul is speaking of is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I believe verse 11, and then going into chapter 5. And our gathering together to him. We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Because they were told by deceivers that came in, oh, Christ came already. The resurrection took place. You don't have to get saved and be saved anymore. But see, that day didn't come. And Paul had to reassure them of these things. So he said in verse 2, not to be soon shaken in mind and troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as from us though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Now, how will the falling away come first? come first. How, how will we know that the falling away will, is, is underway? How, 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 do we, how do we know this? this? We go back to the scriptures. We go back to uh, uh, hold your place there because I'm coming back to this in 2 uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 2. But go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. How will we, how will we know that the falling away is, is coming first? How will we know? First Thessalonians, I mean, excuse me, First Timothy chapter four, verse one says, "Now the Spirit speaks, or says, or, or expressly says, that in latter times, and these are the latter times that we're in, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons." Remember what we read in Second 
uh, Timothy chapter 4. That they will heap up for themselves teachers having itching ears according to their own desires and will turn themselves away from the truth and turn themselves to fables. You see, within fables is deceiving spirits and doctrine of demons. I mean, when you, when you get up in, when a preacher gets up in the pulpit or, or a person gets up in the pulpit and all they do is talk about stories, but they never go, they never pour through the scriptures they never pour through the scriptures either to substantiate what their story is about or to just simply teach the basics of the scripture. It's not all about God anymore. It's all more about them. It's about showing other people how lifted, how you are and you want to be lifted up in their eyes. It's not about the scriptures. It's about you. And they come to bring deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And what are they doing? Speaking lies and hypocrisy. They're speaking lies and hypocrisy. And so when they're speaking lies and hypocrisy, it's because they're a hypocrite themselves. Why is that? Because they're on a quest to deceive you. They're not on a quest to give you the word of God so that way you can be built up and edified. And that's why you have to stick with the inspired scriptures. They're inspired by God for a reason, to keep you away from these things. And that's why in the last days, these things are going to come to pass, but how will they do it? Speaking lies and hypocrisy of deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. You've been listening to the Minister's Crucible podcast exclusively on our YouTube channel. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.